You're listening to Gardening with Cisco On Demand, brought to you this week by Bonide. Check out the Bonide family of products for all your gardening needs. Whether it's bugs or weeds, there's a Bonide product to help. Find out more about Bonide and a dealer near you at Bonide.com. Gardening with Cisco is brought to you by GNB Organics. And bonjour all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to the May 12th. Uh, Garden with Cisco show, and uh, glad you're tuning in. I'm uh, going solo today, so uh, feel free to give me a call with your questions. One triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. And holy cats, what a great Mother's Day weekend we got going on right now! So, uh, good weekend to get out there and do a little gardening, maybe visit your favorite nursery. That'll be a little packed, I have a feeling, but uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And hey, so uh, today I am going to be at the Tukwila Backyard Wildlife Festival. So it's at the Tukwila Community Center, and I'm on at one thirty. And um, <clears throat> this is, I'm kind of amazed, this is the 18th annual Backyard Wildlife Festival there in Tukwila. And I think I've been to almost every one. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't ever been there, they have a marketplace with garden starts and native plants. They have some handcrafted arts and gifts. And uh, they have a lot of uh, booths with uh, nonprofits there to help you and uh, figure out how to attract birds, bees, and butterflies while protecting native plants and salmon. So, uh, Lots for the kids there, too. They had a 5K run this morning. And, uh, hey, before I get there, if you get there before I do, from 1 to one you you're going to get to listen to the pickled okra. <laughs> Their live music. I don't know. Pickled okra. Okra, not Oprah. But um, pretty fun. Hey, my garden talk's going to be on a lot about butterflies this year. So if you're interested in attracting butterflies, Want to know a little more about them? Uh, that'll be a fun talk for you. So, uh, hey, and then Sunday, May 20th at 1 p.m., I'm going to be at the Kent East Hill Nursery. Really looking forward to that. It's They've remodeled, and uh, I'm sure now that Fernie's has gone out of business. They're probably really doing a lot of business there. So I can't wait to see lots of you. I've never been to the Kent East Hill Nursery, so I'm really looking forward to that. And um, even though uh, if you haven't signed up, you can't go. But I'm really looking forward to see all you folks at the Al Joya uh, uh, Senior Living. And that's uh, over on Mercer Island. So I love giving talks there. That's really fun. And uh, I think that is like super sold out. So if you haven't already uh, signed up for that, but I'm going to do a couple of really cool pots, and I think we're going to really have a lot of fun there. I'm seeing that a lot of calls are coming in, <clears throat> so I'm going to get to you guys pretty quick. I do want to say a few things. If you've been interested in having mason bees or you want to try leaf cutter bees because they're really good to pollinate your summer vegetables like squash and cucumbers, then uh, there's a big article about uh, rent bees in the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle Times. Uh, my articles about, uh, what is it, uh, Wajila, 
So if you want to know about Wygelia, you can uh, uh, read that today, too. <laughs> hey, don't forget a couple of really cool things. So at Heronswood Open, some of you may be uh, listening to this in your cars on the way there, although I imagine you're probably there by now. But it's open today and tomorrow at Heronswood uh, Garden. And um, tomorrow, my good buddy Nita Joe Roundtree is giving a talk at 11, a Mother's Day talk on roses. And then uh, Dan Hinckley will be giving a great talk after her. So uh, so all you people that like Nita Joe's talk so much, don't leave before Dan gets to talk. That's all I can tell you. All right. Um Okay, I think that's, uh, I just want to check one last thing real quick here, and then I'll go to the phones. And let me see. Yeah, okay, there's just a couple of plant sales I want you to know about. Woodenville Garden Club, that's a really popular uh, plant sale, and it's on the grounds of Chateau Saint-Michel. Don't drink too much wine before you shop. It can be very expensive, so uh, they have all kinds of good stuff there. <clears throat> and uh, the Bellevue Botanical Garden is having a great lecture, May 16, 7 p.m., the world of rock gardening, uh, by a guy whose name I can't say. So, <laughs> hey, and Pine Lake Garden Club, is. Uh, oh, hey, and uh, that's May 16, 7 p.m., Doors open at 6.15 at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. I'm going to be there. Mary's going to be there. Uh, other friends. And then the, Pike, the Pine Lake Garden Club is having a plant sale Saturday, May 19th, from 9 to 2 at the Sammamish Presbyterian Church parking lot. So uh, that's a good one, too. So uh, lots of great things going on. All right. I think we have time. What do you think? Should we take a phone call? All right, we'll take one here. Hey, Rick in Seattle, how you doing? Doing great, Cisco. Good day. Listen, I have a violetta fig. I put it in about seven-ish or so years ago. Uh-huh. Second year, it produced a lot of really nice figs. But pretty much every year since then, they get a lot of figs like it's got right now. I'm looking right at it. Plenty of sun, plenty of water. They look beautiful. And then one day I go out there, they've all turned brown and dropped. And I'm wondering if you have any idea what in the world is going on and oh, what yeah. you can do to prevent that. Well, you're not getting pollinated. Ah. Yeah, even though they're self-fertile, you still got to get the bees on there. So this is a classic case of uh, needing. And it's interesting because it's really in fall that those figs that you want to eat are getting pollinated. So yeah, proto-figs, yeah. Yeah, so you've got to, somehow you've got to get some bees out there. This might be the perfect uh, purpose for that red bee. Get those leaf cutter bees, and I think they would be out there active right when uh, you really need them in late summer on your fig tree. Well, well, that's interesting. That's too bad, though, because I'm looking at two dozen of them right now, and who knows? See, yes, they probably they probably don't have any seeds in them. Oh, yeah, that's true. When I cut them open, they don't seem to have anything in there. So. Yeah, so that's a really big problem. And um, I don't know. I've never tried to to hand pollinate figs, but I would think you might be able to do that if you see them start to flower. I can't. 
I got to admit, I don't really remember what a fig flower looks like. and I, They're, they're yeah. kind of different than most other fruit trees and everything. That's something I should look up. I, I, yeah, if, some of the figs here in my neighborhood in Wallingford, they get beautiful figs, and the, in the fall the harvests are great, but my poor little guy in my backyard just seems to get passed over. Yeah, there's some... With a picture of Cisco. Well, hey, here's what you got to do. You got to put eight million plants that are going to attract pollinators into your garden. That's true. I got some good ones, but I probably could put more in. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, you want something that's going to bloom and fall. One of the things, even though I I don't like this plant, is that um, oh, what is, what is it called? Oh, I can't think of the name of the thing. Um, anemone, the the late blooming anemones, Japanese anemone. Those things, once you plant them, you've got them for the rest of your life. You can't get rid of them. But, man, they bloom right in fall, you know, right when you really need that, something to attract the bees in there. Oh, well, great. Well, thank you very much, Cisco. That's great information. All right, yeah, look for a bunch of summer-blooming things. I mean, you could try lavender. Some lavenders bloom twice. Anything you could find that's going to attract bees and plant them all around that fig, and I think you'll be eating figs again. Yay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right, Rick. Okay. See you, buddy. Bye. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, Bev from Port Orchard, we're going to pop you on 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Molbax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Oh la la. Welcome back. All right. Hey, Beth, what's going on in Port Orchard? Well, not a whole lot today, Cisco, but thank you for taking my call. Yeah, you betcha. Um, I was watching your TV show a while back, and you showed how you take peppermint and make a slurry and sprinkle it where the moles are, and the moles will go away. Yeah. So I don't have access to peppermint plants, but I'm wondering if an oil, a peppermint oil, would do the same, and if so, would it uh, hurt the grass? Boy. I don't know the answer to that. I've never tried peppermint oil, but uh, I I would imagine. And by the way, any mint works. It doesn't have to be peppermint. So I probably, on that TV show, I probably used peppermint, but uh, most any kind of mint works. So, uh, okay. so if you had access to any other mint, you could try that, but... You know, it would be interesting to try mint oil. I, you know, I don't know how much you'd need. Usually, I, what I do is when I make that that mint liquid thing, I do where I cook down the mint. Then what I do is I put it in my watering can and I just pour it like right down the mole hole if I can. Uh, you know, around the areas where the moles are working. And I'm pretty generous with the stuff, you know. But um, with mint oil, maybe it's way stronger. If you could get a little bit down in the mole runs through the mole hole, it might be enough to, you know, repel them. But I just don't know. I wouldn't know how much you need to use. 
I don't know if it would harm the grass. I assume it wouldn't, but you never know. You know, you'd have to well, do a I'll test. Do an experiment. Now yeah. report back. Yeah, report back. And I really want to know if this works. Now, there's one thing about any kind of, and for anybody that wonders about this, I call it Mint Mole Blaster. It came from a person that called my TV show that I used to have on Channel 2, Gardening with Cisco Live. And uh, so this person called and gave me this recipe, and I've loved it ever since. So uh, it's in my uh, my website under gardening and then go to topics, and you'll find it. And it's two handfuls of mint stems and leaves. They should be pliable. Stick them in a blender. Just make a slurry, add a little water, and then, you know, stick that in a big soup pan half full of water and let it boil and then simmer for 30 minutes. And that that makes six gallons. You can dilute that to make six gallons of mole blaster. But um, even with that... What I have found is you better, if you live in mole country, you got to use it a lot. A little bit isn't going to do it. One time, soon as that odor's gone, the, the moles go, man, there's lots of good worms over in her garden. I'm heading back, you know. <laughs> so that could be a problem. And uh, so I think that the key thing for whenever you're dealing with that is to be persistent, do it not, you know, keep an eye out for any new mole hills and then deal with it then hey one last little thing i'll tell you too with mole hills if you stuff them back down if you kick them back into the soil then the mole kicks them right back up so one thing that can help is just to rake out the dirt on top you know from that mole hill and uh, the moles will quit making those uh little hills in your garden. I mean, they're still going to be at work under there, and you could still trip if you land, if you step in one of their feeder runs, you know, that collapses. But uh, at least you don't see those stupid molehills all over your garden. Okay. All right. Yeah, so good luck with that. Let me know, will you? And I, you know, you're going to have to experiment like crazy how much oil... Maybe you could dilute the oil, you know. There's different things you could try and see if it works. Okay. All right, Will Bev. Do. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate the call. Thank you, Cisco. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. So, hey, uh, we're going to go on break in just a couple of seconds here. So, uh, I just, I'll, if, uh, so I'm flying solo. You want to call one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. That's one nine seven one eight 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 nine seven three five four seven six. And uh, when we come back, Kim from Bothell will stick you on ninety seven three Cairo FM. All right. Well, Kim's been patiently waiting over in Bothell, so uh, welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Francisco, um, I'm a novice gardener, and I've been learning a lot from your show, and uh, yeah. I really appreciate all the advice and tips that you provide. Thanks. Um, 
So the problem that I just noticed is that I have a backyard where I ripped out the grass and play, uh, replaced the trees and plants and such, and they are blooming. But another problem that I just noticed uh, recently is I'm also discovering clumps, and I'm not just just talking about little, but sometimes really large, almost a. Uh, this-sized mushrooms growing, sometimes in the middle of the flowers and such. So the two questions are, what could possibly be causing that? Because my neighbors, um, albeit they live on the the other side, my my backyard faces the south, so maybe the orientation is not the same, but they don't seem to have such problems. And the second question is, after ripping them out, is it okay to just leave them strewn in the backyard to turn into compost, or do I need to gather them up because they're poisonous or what have you? Oh, those are great questions. So uh, to answer the first one, why is this happening? So did you bring in a bunch of uh, new topsoil? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's why it's well, happening. But that was done in over the winter. So do you think that's causing it now? Yeah. The spring is here. Oh. Yeah, because see what. What happens uh, with topsoil, there's no such thing as real topsoil anymore. So when you buy topsoil, somebody manufactures it. And so what they do is they want to have like one-third organic, one-third just normal kind of uh, good sandy soil, and one-third whatever else they throw in there, maybe clay or something. And here's the problem. Uh, to to add the organic one third to the topsoil, what they do is they grind up wood and put that in, and that ground up wood, uh, just uh, sometimes it's got mushroom spores on it, but for whatever reason, mushrooms love that, and they attack. Their goal is to break all that wood down that's in the in the new topsoil you have. And that can take at least three years before that problem starts to settle out. And uh, so so there's not, and, you know, you can knock them down like you are, and that's probably a good idea, but it's not going to get rid of them in a million years. Now, the problem about there being poison uh, do you have kids or pets? Yeah, I have a tiny dog, but fortunately she doesn't seem to eat mushrooms. I mean, she does street dining quite a bit, but not mushrooms. So but so I can gather them up. But I was more concerned about if I just leave them in my backyard, do they poison the plants or do they, oh. do they turn into nutrients? Nah, nah. They just they'll, I don't know if they turn into nutrients, but they'll break down. And okay. they they might be nutritious. But I do want to give you a warning about your dog. I used to think that, you know, dogs instinctively know not to eat mushrooms. They don't. It's rare, but occasionally a dog will eat a mushroom. There's a mushroom that smells like meat. It killed two pugs last summer. So, So I think I would gather them up. It's a pain in and the just butt. Just put them in compost in. Okay. Yeah, just throw them in your compost pile or get throw them in clean green whatever. But I think that I'd is. get them out just to be safe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I've been putting. Um, 
I oh, do my landscape or compost pile every uh, fall at the beginning of winter, and I didn't have this much problem the year before. So maybe the topsoil or the compost he used is kind of a different variety, as you mentioned. Do you think that could be it? Well, I think I think it came in on the soil you brought in. Okay. It can be there can be mushrooms in compost. It can happen, but it's it's a lot more rare because when you, when they make the compost, they make all this heat and everything, and it breaks down spores and things. So I I think it's from the soil, and I think it's gonna go on for a while. So uh, I don't know if you play golf, but it's a wonderful way to practice your golf swing when you're trying to get rid of those mushrooms. <laughs> No, unfortunately, I guess I'll just have to do the traditional way of getting down and digging them out. Yeah, it's, you don't need to dig them though. Just knock them. Oh. Just knock them off. That's all you got to do. Yeah, and you know, if if I didn't have a pet, I'd leave them out there without doubt. But since you got a pet, you might be safer to. Oh, you're so you're saying that. Uh, sorry, one more question. So you're saying that I don't necessarily need to dig them up. To the roots no, no, nah, won't oh, won't okay. do any good anyway. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, they're gonna come back no matter what you do. So if you just I knock see. them down, the one thing about knocking them down, then they don't spore you late, because they're gonna oh. mushrooms shoot their spores and then you get way more of them the next year. So if you if you knock them down before they sporulate. Then uh, I don't think once you knock them down, they ever sporulate, as far as I know. But uh, so, um, you know, by knocking them down, you do prevent that from happening. But but I guarantee they're going to be back next year and probably with a lot of new friends, too. <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much for all your advice and have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. And Bye. uh, thank you. And hey, so we have uh, all open lines right now. So if you want to call one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six, you'll get right in. But I will tell a quick, quick story just about mushrooms. So uh, another thing that could cause mushrooms to grow, especially in a lawn—well, only in a lawn—is that sometimes the thatch builds up really thick in a lawn, and if that happens. Then uh, the problem is that uh, the mushrooms will grow on that thatch trying to break it down, and that could become an endless process of more and more mushrooms. And, you know, if that thatch doesn't get taken out, then, you know, there's just that they kind of feed each other. So, uh, and even though mushrooms will break the thatch down, they can't do it fast enough, you know, it's just so you keep, keep getting new mushrooms every year. So, uh, that happened in my next door neighbor's garden, and she came over and she goes, uh, "Hey, uh, I got a big family reunion on this weekend. It was like Monday." She goes, "All these people coming from all over the country, and look at my lawn. It's just pure mushrooms out there, you know." She said, "Is there something I could put on?" And I said, "There's nothing you could put on that'll kill mushrooms." So I said, "The best thing you could do is go out and knock them." knock them all down, and just rake them up. She goes, oh, my God, I can't do all that, you know. So I come home from work, and she's out there fertilizing. And I'm like, what are you putting on the lawn? You know, I go and look, and she's putting on weed and feed, 
twice the recommended dose, you know. So, oh, my gosh, she was putting it down so thick. So I didn't say anything. I just got out of there. Well, uh, right in time for the weekend, it that such heavy fertilizer burned the living tweedle out of her lawn. The whole lawn turned pitch black, and the only color out there were all those nice silver and golden mushrooms <laughs> growing everywhere that weren't even harmed one bit by the weed and feed. So there's, so honest, I tell you, there's nothing you could do but knock them down, rake them up, and uh, but do watch out if you have a pup because that can be a big problem. Well, let's Brian, should we take a break? And then when we come back, Judy from Gig Harbor will put you on 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Okay, we're in the last section of the show now. Hey, Judy, what's happening in Gig Harbor? Well, it's a beautiful day, Cisco, and I wanted to call you about, last year I talked to you about... uh, my uh, bonsai pines, my ornamental pines, and uh, I said that uh, they were dying off, and um, you thought maybe it was the weather or water, but, uh, you know, it's happening uh, to other things that aren't soaked all the time, and uh, at the, our Rosedale Gardens, they've had a beautiful, this is where I, uh, years, and I've had my poodle dog pine for like 30 years, and I bought uh-huh. it in Rosedale Garden. They had all kinds of uh, ornamentals there. They're all dying. So all the pines? I thought maybe you had an update on, like, black pines, the ornamental pines, the uh, bonsai pines, and to find out if something is going on. Well, there, there is a uh, pine bark beetle that I know is killing pines all over the place. But I've never heard of it catch, you know, doing uh, small pines, but I, it's possible. Um, so it, and the way to check for that is you look for little holes. It'll you look know, like I did with my, remember my Cecile Bruner uh, rose? It was riddled with those little holes. Yeah. And it died off. Yeah. Yeah. So look for little holes if you see them. The problem is, if you've got, uh, if they've already infested in there, you can pretty much figure you're going to lose your pine. I have yeah. seen, you're right, I have seen pines die all over. In the park near my house, the pines all died. Uh, at the golf course, I've seen a few die in a golf course kind of near my house. So, yeah, there there might be something going on there that's kind of hard to understand. Might be... Uh, Probably a boring insect, you know, and they, yeah, these, you know, these insects fly around in nature, and if uh, a tree is in stress, it sends out pheromones that tell the beetle, come, come, do me, and I've had it anyway, and put me mm-hmm. back in the earth, you know. So, well, you know what? If they were if all of my beautiful pines, I even have uh, one that's. I don't know what it's called, but it weeps down, you know, and it's just so beautiful. But I noticed the other day that it's not looking good. And um, 
Rosedale Gardens had their signature uh, bonsai out in front next to their sign, and uh, it totally died, and uh, they painted it. You they, know, painted they painted it? it blue and- <laughs> well, guess oh, what I know. did? Guess what I did with my Japanese black pine that died right out in Tell front me. of my house? <laughs> I I cut off, I cut it into a really neat shape, and I'm growing a trumpet vine up it. Oh, well, that's better than just uh, painting it. I called them last <laughs> week, and I funny. said, you know, honestly, cut it down or something, because they go, oh, no, we love it, but, you know... Uh, knowing the beauty of it, what what it was before, and painted blue and red now, I don't know. It just hurts my heart to see it. But, you know, we do have to go through cycles with our beautiful things, and uh, bite, they bite the dust sometimes. Yeah. We can't do a thing about it. Well, and I figured if anybody knew, you would. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes it's it's if we have, you know, continued drought and maybe our soil conditions aren't perfect, the damage is done a long, long time before you see the tree actually Absolutely. show that it's dying. So You're yeah. right. Well, thank you, Cisco, and you and your wife have a wonderful day. All right, Judy. Thank you so bye much bye. for the call. Okay, Thanks. bye-bye. Okay, well, I have a few minutes, uh, so I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to answer an email I got, uh, but I also... Uh, want to let you know that I'm going to be on New Day on King 5 Monday at 11. And, uh, you know, I'm on every other week on that show. I just love it with Margaret Larson, who I think is so cool. Everybody's really fun down there. And, uh, and you can go watch that live if you ever want to. I think just get on King 5 and you look up New Day and you can find out how to be in the audience. But um, this week... I'm going to do something related to the royal wedding. <laughs> it's not really my idea, but I think it'll work great. And uh, so just if you know the cake, this weird cake they're having, it's going to have something to do with that. That's all the hints I'm willing to give on that. Now, before I do this email, I do have to tell you that uh, uh, my wife Mary has been uh, off in England for about three weeks. She went hiking, averaged over 20 miles per day. She's so skinny, she could fall in a drinking straw when she uh, <laughs> is drinking something, you know. But she loves it. She calls her calls it her boot camp. She usually goes to Cornwall, and it's just steep, rugged hiking, but it's really fun. I've done it with her once till my knees gave out a little bit. So uh, anyway... So I knew, she, you know, she was coming home Friday night. So first I had to clean the garage. Oh, my gosh. You know, I store over 70 plants, some of them good size, in my garage for the winter. It's a total waste of a, of good gardening space to use a garage for uh, cars, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I have gotten all the plants out of there. I had to clean that. That was like the worst cleaning job you've ever seen with my puppy Izzy trying to sneak in there every minute I left that door open. So then I had to clean the house Friday. You can imagine what that was like because my puppy Izzy ate all our rugs. So I had to get the rugs out of there so I can't wipe my feet when I come in from being outside, you know. 
So I killed myself Friday cleaning the house like nobody's ever seen. I got it so spotless. And the first thing this morning, Izzy goes out with Mama while she's out watering. She comes back in so muddy. You can't believe it. The house is totally trashed. But, hey, it looked good when Mary came over. That's the most important part. Okay. Hey, uh, one thing. So, uh, Heyong, I'm not sure, or Hong, I'm not sure how to spell your, how to say your name. You asked me about uh, Desert Rose, that kind of a house plant that's a succulent, and uh, they're called Adenium, and those those things. She said, "How do you water those?" Well, here's here's how you don't water them, like I do, because I've murdered three of those so far. <laughs> They're really hard to grow. I think they need really a lot of heat. You got to have them in the sunniest place you can. Then you can water those things, like uh, probably every week in the spring and summer. But as fall comes, you stop watering them. You grow these in pots, and then. You got to keep it in the sunniest, warmest spot in your house. It may go dormant. If it does, the last thing you want to do is water this thing because that it'll get a root rot so fast. And I have had quite a challenge. I'm going to try again, but I just it gets so cold in my house in the winter. I'm married to a Canadian. You got to have every window wide open in the coldest night of winter. And uh, I think she's part uh, grizzly bear, but I'm not sure. So uh, all I can tell you is that if they get really cold, don't give them any water at all, or it'll be the last time you ever see it. Okay, well, I'm really excited to see lots of you at the Tukwila Backyard Wildlife Festival at the Tukwila Community Center. I'll be there at one thirty. I got some cool things I'm going to give away today, including one Gardening with Cisco t-shirt. So uh, uh, definitely perfect day for an outside talk. So I think this will be quite a bit of fun. Hey, Brian, thanks a lot for doing such a great job today. Appreciate it a lot. Okay, everybody, get out and enjoy this weather. Don't forget to give your puppy a walk. We'll see everybody next week. Bye.